Good morning and welcome to Side Hustle Pigs. I am one of your hosts, Matt Pickle. And I'm Jason Moore and this is a show where we talk about jobs that we do on the side to push us closer to our financial goals. Matt, how was your weekend? It was a good weekend. Did you get got, up to? got to relax a little bit this weekend. Oh, that's good. Yeah, not, not too much work. Got uh, some couple family dinners and uh, my mother's stepmom's retirement party. Finally got, she finally retired. Right on. Spent a little bit of time playing some handball and then uh, getting some homework done. Oh, good for How you. How about you? Yeah, um, went to the Manitoba Museum. That was the first time I was there. Saw the non-such. First time you've been, you've been there? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I did a lot of did a lot of leaves and, and yard work and I got it done just in time because this morning there's a lot of snow uh, on the ground. Yeah it was a cold bus ride coming in this morning. It, uh, <laughs> it was yeah it was a slow ride into work. Everyone likes to uh, take it real slow when you're when there's just a little bit of snow on the ground you're yeah, driving everyone, real slow. Everyone forgets how to drive on the first one. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like that's the case. Well, um, we've got a good uh, we've got a good episode lined up um, for today. We're going to be talking about some of our inspirations, um, maybe books and audio books, YouTube videos that we watch, quotes. Uh, Matt's got a selection of side hustles of, from a uh, from a website. We're going to talk about them, and then uh, we always like to keep it real. So we're going to go through failures and missed opportunities, some pitfalls and scams, and unrealistic dreams. And we'll cap uh, we'll cap the show off with uh, some noteworthy uh, successes or failures. Inspiration and, and and why we go out and and do side hustles. Matt, do you want to start off? Uh, do you have uh, any any anyone or anything that inspires you? You know, there was a couple of things. One, some of the people I've met. I think a lot of times we, uh, as you get older, especially like our age, you start to kind of give up some of your dreams. Yeah, I was just sense. talking about that. I was just talking about that with like, yeah, like when you're young, you're full of hope. Yeah. As you give it, as you get a bit older, there's been a few failures, and it, and it doesn't mean that uh, there's there's no hope left anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, I uh, I didn't go to school out of high school. I went to work, and, and then I bought a house, which was great, and I sold it and bought another house, and that was okay. I lost a lot of money in that one, but learning experience. But uh, you just start to feel like you get trapped, right? Yeah. And uh, the big plans and goals you had in life start to feel like they're not going to happen. Then you get hurt, like I did, and that changes uh, changes everything. And then you're scrambling trying to find a new thing. Um, and then I met uh, actually a manager through my through my side hustle, Mike Langrell, who really helped me just kind of set set the dream again and find a new dream and what I wanted. Right. Yeah. I've already went. I went through that in my 30s. I feel like. Yeah. I. I for me, it's like well. It's, the truth is where we are where we're at because of all the decisions we've made up until this point in time. I, I honestly believe oh, 100%. that. 100%. And I honestly believe also that there's there's more decisions that we can make to get us out of out of the situation. What are you willing to let go of that's, that's holding you back? Uh, and that could be like material possessions or that could be some other... But you're on that you're on that route right now. Well, that's why I came back to school. That's it, right. Uh, I didn't like where my life was going. Not that I had a bad life. I have I have a good life. I have a nice house, a wife, three dogs. But hated my job. Yeah. It, and that just kind of ruins everything. It does. You it come does. home in a bad mood. Nothing's quite. I, I've you know I have been there where I you think that you can go in you can put a day of work in and then come home, and then live your life. And I did notice that. And when those I had those exceptionally bad days, uh, I couldn't shake it yeah. when I got home. I, I couldn't I couldn't do something that I wanted to do. I only 
just kept thinking about how bad a day I had. And yeah. uh, I throw myself into like YouTube videos or you're doing anything. Some You want to form a distraction, some sort of, and that can take you only so far. Yeah, and I find if I get into those funks that would last a couple of weeks where I just hate everything about almost everything. Yeah. And then eventually I'd get out of it, but yeah, it was just, it's not fun. And I kind of came up with a rule for myself that when work stops becoming fun, when you have more bad days than good, it's time to... To look for something else. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be uh, like a suicide mission where you just uh, quit work and go out. You just start putting into to, to place a small plan yeah. that you've developed. and Yeah, start figuring out. And, and I started, when I really started looking at school and stuff, I had uh, my review about a year ago at my last job. And uh, for a year, I busted my ass. I ran the department for my boss. I did everything. So it brings me in to give me uh, my review and probably a raise. He starts off by saying, well, this is going to be good for you. Well, if you do more, it's going to be good for you. But if you do the same, it's going to, it won't be as good. Oh, man. And I looked at him, and I've never sworn at a boss before. He's a friend of mine, and I'm actually he's going to become a client of mine uh, on Thursday. <laughs> but I said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, if, you, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have a department right now. Yeah. And uh, so I renegotiated on the fly with him. And then I looked at him and said, well, if this is, all you're gonna, this is what you're going to do, I think I'm going to go home, and I'm going to think about whether I'm coming in tomorrow. Yeah. And I ended up getting five hundred dollars more a month, plus okay. an extra couple more percentage. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's know your value. V- definitely, and the good thing is because I have my side hustles, I didn't care. Yeah, if I didn't have the job, I can still keep my lights that, on. That gives you a little more power. You get a lot of freedom when you when it, you realize that it does. Yeah, you know, um, in the military, we get uh, annual performance reports, and we'd get sometimes we'd get you know quarterly performance reports. Uh, normally, I did get a good one. Um, but I always found that it never really lasted that, um, that great feeling you'd get from a, maybe a pat on the back. It'd be like, oh, that, w- that was good. And then, and then a couple of days later, you were just back to the daily grind again. Oh, yeah. And it, it, never, it, it never, pushed me, never pushed me far enough. No, and it could change so fast, dude. You yeah. know, being in a new manager or anything like that, all of a sudden, they don't like you. They like the other person better. And it doesn't matter what you've done for the last five years. That's right. Yeah. Well, and that's why we push uh, to maybe find something that we can do on our own uh, and not work for somebody. And having that second source of income, never relying on just one source of income. That's right. Because uh, you never know when that thing's going to dry up. Diverse you never portfolio. Know. Yeah. That's right. What about you? What, what kind of inspirations do Inspiration. you have? Inspiration. Well, it's funny. Uh, my son uh, was out uh, at the end of the week, uh, Thursday and Friday. He had a buddy who he knew from North Bay, Ontario. And he was in Winnipeg. And the reason why he was in Winnipeg, this young lad's name is Aaron, is because his parents were doing a trade show near the airport. And his parents always, I, I, I met them back in maybe 2013, 2014, when, when, when my son was going to high school with, with Aaron. And they, I couldn't figure it out. He had this beautiful house on the hill. And anytime he came to get Austin, he came down on a Porsche to, to, to get <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, they had a big pool in the backyard, and super nice, super nice family. What was this? What was this guy's deal? His name was Brent Buckwald. He ran Buckwald Services Consulting BSC. I was like, what? What is this? And the truth is, here's what this was. What, when I got out of high school in about '95, I joined the military. Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? 
training, sir! Party training, sir! When Brent got out of high school, he started into computer programming. So this is this is back in the, in, in the 90s yeah. when it was a bit different. And he was working at this place, and he had an idea for some software where I, – I don't know if he had a, has a family member or whatever, but if, if someone has a medical problem, for, for instance, aut- autism, then you would have this program where all the people who provide support to that person with autism would, would put in information in, into this program. He had this idea for this program. And where he was working, they didn't want to take, take it on. And so he developed it, like many yeah. of these stories. He did it on the side, on his own time. And he created it, and it's called AIMS, uh, Alliance Information Management System. And basically, that is what it's for. It's like he's kind of expanded it, but not very far. So if someone's got a medical condition or someone has a mental health condition or someone is in long-term care, and you have the support team that needs to help you, and and they and you know information needs to be shared, yep. and they do it do it on this program, and he's done this since probably ninety four ninety five. Wow, that is it's almost like a miner who has struck a vein of gold, and he has been there doing that. He found his niche. He found his niche, yeah. and I and I can't believe how. I'm sure that the programming has changed, but his his focus hasn't really changed. It's always been on uh, someone who needs support. Yeah. So one for me, I find that inspiring. Uh, his his office is his home. Uh, his employees are his family. Nice. Uh, it's like and and they live uh, they live a pretty they live a pretty good lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little inspiration. It's maybe not a famous person, but, uh, but you know there are a lot of closet millionaires out there i'm sure that guy is yeah and you would never know without unless you talk to him even like um i know a couple mike langrell who i'd mentioned you go to his house it's a beautiful house out in headingley yeah big lot but it's not brand new okay Uh, he bought it for he bought a bunch of years ago pretty much you know did the rich dad poor dad thing buy the cheap uh, the ugliest house in the nicest street and fixed it up so it's now i think it's probably worth close to seven hundred thousand. wow but it's not like it's nothing it's not a million dollar new new build, right? This is the house that they just bought it. They fixed up the way they wanted it. That's a rich dad poor dad thing. Buy the nicest, the worst house on the nicest. It, street? it was rich dad poor dad or one of them. Yeah, okay. you buy the nicest house or the, the the worst house on the nicest street. You know, when I was moving to Winnipeg, we had a real estate agent who kept who was very adamant that we stay in certain. He was very good. His, he was a very good agent. He wanted us to stay in a, in in the right neighborhood, and it always seemed like he was showing us. The crappiest house <laughs> on that street. Yeah, but you know what? Now I see. I see, I see where that. Wor- I see how that can happen because you can have the nicest house on a crappy street if your neighbors don't play along. Yeah. Uh, your your home value doesn't doesn't go up. But if you buy that crappy house and, and then you bring it up, uh, anyhow. Oh yeah. No. I, yeah. And, uh, I it, didn't. I didn't realize that was the thing. Yeah, it worked for him, and you. I I, I know what he makes. I, I, I can go on check. I can go actually online and check and see his income, and he's making. Passively, twenty thousand a month. Oh man, um, he still outworks pretty much anyone I know. So he's making forty to fifty thousand a month right now. Is he working right now, like on Monday morning? Is he? Is he? He'll be in the him? office at uh, nine o'clock this morning to run training. Okay, with to your run staff training. and get his paperwork done, and then he'll probably have minimum four appointments today with wow. clients. Minimum every day. Huh. Yeah, um, but again, you go to his house. It's a real nice house. You know, he's, you look at the house. He's got some money. Then he walks out in. Uh, like right now, he's probably in his big, 
brown coveralls. Looks like a looks like a he's from Wood, Woodlands, Manitoba. Okay. So it looks like a hick. Bit of a mullet. Yeah, yeah. Real big guy. He was actually drafted, I think, by uh, the Calgary Stampeders to oh play my for goodness. them. And you will, you never, you would never know he had the money. And then he opens up his garage, and he's got a 800 horsepower Corvette. Uh, he's got his Honda Shadow, and he's got somewhere I'm not sure where they are, but he's got seven or eight classic cars somewhere else off the property. But you wouldn't know just by sitting down with the guy. You would never know that he has because, the amount of money he does. Because that's to him his his uh, I guess his idea of wealth isn't isn't to show it. Yeah, him and his wife is more uh, just. What they can do. What they can do, they, right? One of the things they used to do, their daughter, uh, school, school used to be right across from their house. Right. So they'd go home at lunch, pick her up, and barbecue. There you go. Take, you know, take the afternoon off. That's pretty nice. Just because they can. That's that's right? a good lifestyle. That's the, and he doesn't have to work if he didn't want to, but he still goes out uh, and does it. And I also knew another guy, um, his name was, I can't pronounce his full name, I just called him Nish. He was a client of mine when I was working at one of the Ford dealerships, and so kind of secondhand information. I know he's got money, but he actually made, you know, those emergency shutoff valves for hot water tanks if they yeah. start to leak? Yes. That was him. Oh, wow. He made it as a high school uh, science fair project. Okay. And then sold the rights to, I think, LG or something like that. Oh, my God. And I, I heard, I don't know if it's how much he's asking, but I heard he's getting like a $100,000 royalty check a month. So he's set too. He's set. And he's a paramedic. Because well, he, he wants, wants to work. He wants to be a paramedic. I don't know if he works full time. But uh, he's got a big uh, Ford Raptor. Yeah. Uh, he's got, what else he had? He had that SRT uh, Cherokee, that okay. top-of-line Grand Cherokee, like $80,000. Okay. And, yeah, just <laughs> one of them, again, super nice guy. Never would know. I'm honestly, I knew he has money because the truck he drives, but, yeah. but uh, never knew that it was that much money coming in. Uh, I see a book. You've brought a book in here. Yeah. When we talk about inspiration, one of the guys I've uh, been following – You've, you've heard of him as Jocko Willenick? Yes. So the book I, uh, I brought in is called Extreme Ownership by him. Uh, you had a chance to look at that one at all or uh, heard about no, it? No, no, I haven't. Basically, it's just owning everything in your life. When you say owning, like being responsible for? Responsible for, like it's just, yeah, everything is, you need to own your mistakes, own your your faults, your, your successes. Okay. So what he does in this book is he'll talk about a military operation where he learned a certain principle of this, of, the, of ownership. And then now that he's out of the, the SEALs, he's uh, doing corporate I, training. So now he, then he'll tell about how he's able to use that in corporate training. So translates the one that always kind of stuck with me is there was, um, he talks about a live fire, or a, sorry, friendly fire accident they had. Okay. He was running a, a an operation, a mission in Iraq, and some of the Iraqi soldiers got shot because they got caught in crossfires between the two, between his own soldiers. And he says that that's pretty much career suicide. You lose your commission if that happens. Yeah. So the big admirals and whatever else came in, he had a debriefing with him and all his guys, and in front of the admirals, he goes, whose fault is this? And most of his guys put their hands up saying it was their fault. You know, it's my fault I didn't tell you that I had a position. It's my fault I didn't radio in to double check. And he says, you know what, I thank, thank you guys for doing that, but... I was in charge. It's my fault. Yep. If you weren't where, you, where you're supposed to be, it's my fault for not being clear enough. If you didn't radio in, it's my fault for not letting you know that you needed to. In the end, he gets to keep his commission and keeps going. Right? And then that, that's something that I, I kind of taken from that book is no matter what happens, good or bad, it's my fault. Yeah. You know, if it's my client, it's my fault. If it's uh, when I'm training new advisors, I had one girl get mad because the tech made a mistake. 
and she got yelled at. She's like, I'm not, even, it's not, I'm not even the mechanic. It's not my fault. I'm like, it is your fault because you're the one that the customer sees. That's right. She goes, well, that's not fair. I said, you know what's really not fair is if you screw up, it's my fault because I'm the lead advisor. And she just looked at me and said, and, and if I screw up, it's Kyle's fault because he's my manager. That's just the way it works. That's right. Own it, apologize, and let's move on. Well, it's a confidence thing, too. I find that people, I don't know if you ever worked with uh, people like this, but uh, they'll, hide, they'll hide their mistakes. And uh, I, I always felt like I'd like to get out in front of it. If there was a mistake made, I'd like to, to say that. Because if I'm going to take responsibility for my mistakes, I'm also going to take credit for my successes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it, it, it's one and the other. Like you, you'd have to do them both. Wow. But you know what? He, he, this is, uh, do you remember what rank he, he, he got to in the, um, I can't re- remember his rank, but Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander, maybe he, he was, ra- I know he ran, uh, he ran a platoon of SEAL soldiers. Okay. So I'm not exactly sure what his, yeah. he was a commissioned officer. Yeah, probably. Yeah, captain is, is possible. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I've never actually Lieutenant seen his title, but yeah. Uh, have you ever watched the movie? Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but American Sniper. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Okay, I think they're they're like tax task force bruisers. They're okay. like their call sign or whatever. He was actually in charge of that. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Do you know, remember how long he was in the military for, on or about? I don't think it actually ever says in there. Oh, well, right. I might, but uh, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll see if I can find it. You can gain as an officer. You can gain so much experience even within the first, even within the first ten years. And he was active too. He was on active duty. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did in Afghanistan, Iraq, in the heavy areas. Right. Yeah. See, I didn't bring a book in, uh, uh, Matt, because I could not find this book. But I, but I have to tell you about it. So. My book, uh, I, I was in the military, and I remember reading this book in an army jeep waiting for my commanding officer to do something. It was it was on an exercise where I spent a lot of time waiting in a jeep to go pick up the commanding officer. <laughs> so I had this book. I got it from the library, and it was a book about startups, and, and I think it covered maybe four or five different startups. Uh, this lady who, who and her husband who ran a bed and breakfast, and, and there were some others, but the one that really stuck out was uh, Fred DeLuca, who was the founder of Subway. Okay. And yeah. he's, uh, he, I, I realize now he's, he passed away. He passed away, I think, in 2015. But basically, it was how this uh, business started in, I believe, Connecticut, and how it started with the very first store. What he did and the changes he made early on and how it kind of worked and kind of didn't, and how he kept making adjustments until the first store was running pretty good, and he realized, I wonder, I, I bet I could open a store in another end of town. It became a second store, and then it became four stores, and then it just kept going. I think he was around a hundred stores, and and they were all successful. And he thought, I bet I could tell other people how to run stores, and yeah. he gets this idea of how uh, how to franchise his, uh, or to, you know, to get a bunch, you know, to tell, tell franchisees how to run their business, and he actually does that. But I also realized now, and, and that was very inspiring for me, like, I, I wanted, I wanted that. Of course, I was miserable <laughs> as a private <laughs> or a corporal in the military. That's something I wanted. It wasn't until later on I realized, you also want to read 
stories about um, failures yep. as well. So I think that's why maybe I liked his his story is he, he was succeeding but not completely and then he made adjustments and he almost failed but didn't i want to know i don't want to hear all the the the, the glory stuff yeah i want to know about people who failed also yeah and that's the thing when you listen to all the success stories multi-level marketing is big on this they sell the dream right they'll sell everything that could happen and truthfully it could like i've I've known some people who have been in multi-level marketing who have done very well but for everyone that does really well there's a ton that fail yeah but even just open your own restaurant, I can't remember this, how many is, but most restaurants fail in the first year. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's nice to see, nice to know people go through that too. So that when you're done your your, your bad times, you can hold up that guy that did do well and know that he sucked too for a while. I've heard a saying, it's like, you uh, don't be afraid to fail because you only have to succeed once. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree with that. I want to know that other people failed. I want to know that if I fail, it's okay. Because I'm going to give it another shot or I'm going to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a life sentence if you fail. That's right. It is if if you put all your money into something, if you haven't done your research. Yeah. Uh, if you go blindly in and you say, this is it. It's like watching the Dragon's Den with some of those people that go in there that just have no clue what they're trying to sell or they how spend, to pitch. Or they spend so much money to yeah. get to a, a certain stage and, and it's never going to make yeah, it. Yeah, there's money. no real market for what they're trying to do. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Any audiobooks? Do you listen to any audiobooks? Um, the only one I have right now is uh, the Compound Effect in my car. Well, I think I think I've heard this one. Yeah, it's, it's from uh, about or from uh, uh, Darren Hardy again. Yeah, from the owner of Success Magazine. Yes. Yeah, and it basically again talks about doing all the right things and just keep doing them. Right. And even though today it's not, it's gonna feel like it didn't make a difference. You know, getting up and reading first thing in the morning is is something that's gonna compound eventually for you. And just sticking to those little things so that they compound and build up. And finally, you're going to be that, you know, maybe that 10, 15-year overnight success story. Right. I am not listening to any right now, but I did have an audio book that did inspire me. This goes all the way back to probably 1998 or 99. And the book, I think, might have come out in the 80s. I heard it in the audio book format, which was on cassette. And it was called... Um, Neuro-Linguistic Programming, so NLP, (laughs) the New Technology of Achievement. NLP, the New Technology of Achievement. Neuro-Linguistic Programming, or NLP, is the art and science of personal excellence. It was uh, Earl Nightingale... Uh, production. He was this guy. I recognize who, the name. Yeah, he yeah. did a lot of stuff in like the '60s and '70s, and he inspired like people like Tony Robbins and stuff like that. Uh, I listened to this thing, and well, I'll get to, I'll get to the quote because it, it's brought up and brought up there. The reason why it sticks with me is because I I had no other distractions at that time. I didn't have internet at the house at the time no. when I when I when I listened to it. So I can remember listening to it in my basement. And really focusing on on what this guy what this guy was saying, like and, and writing stuff down, because nowadays you can turn on the computer, it, it can be so distracting, or you're you're just overwhelmed with all this information. You get all the information, and you never there's no action component to it. Yeah. But this t- this one, I had nothing but time to to actually implement some of the, some of the things. And I'll get to the quote when we get down into quotes, but it was this NLP 
this cheesy thing that I got from the library that I think was actually the most inspiring audio book uh, that I listened to. I went on to listen to a lot of stuff in, in, in my car. I, ha- I, I used to have a commute when I lived in um, Barrie, Ontario, and I was, I was serving at a base called Borden. It was about a 35, 40-minute commute, and I would put in audiobooks from the library, uh, self-help. I, I, I couldn't get yeah. enough of it, and it just made the drive go so fast, and it felt productive, and it felt right. It felt yeah. like I was doing something good for me. And I think the sad thing is most people don't do that now, and it's so available. It's, oh, it's, it's uh, never been more just available. Just go YouTube. Any, oh. like, I, Jim Carrey has one of the best uh, commencement speeches ever. Yes. So inspirational. You know? Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Yes. And you just got to change the way you look at things that it's actually life is happening for you. Right? It's so it, I listen to that thing probably once every few months yeah. just because just I find it motivational. And when I say life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. I really don't know if that's true. <laughs> I'm just making a conscious choice to perceive challenges as something beneficial so that I can deal with them in the most productive way. It, in the, uh, if, you're, if you have a library card, every time I go to a new city, I get a library card. The Winnipeg Library gives you access to an online uh, oh. um, library, and there's audiobooks galore there and there's a whole self-help section and they have an app and you can download that thing and listen to it in the bus or wherever it's it's <laughs> incredible you're talking about youtube videos okay so you have some go-to youtube videos that you like to go to once in a while yeah is there anyone you follow uh, specifically um on on like facebook and stuff i follow um well we've talked about it the uh, order of man Yes. I, yeah, I listen to it. I think he's great. Yeah, he does believe that men should be, you know, protect, provide, preside is, is, is the, the group's motto. But uh, I listen to one where he said, by me being the best man I am, it gives my wife a chance to be the best woman she can be, which again helps me be the best man that I can be. Or, or, or what, or another, just, yeah, another thing he said was like, don't be another child for your wife. Like, yeah. Like this is the kind of stuff when he says be a man, he's like, you know, Help, you know, be a partner, be be someone, be better. Be accountable, not, yeah. Be accountable, yeah. It's yeah. not like be the boss. It's not, not what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he was really good to watch. And then um, I actually, there's a book I have, another one too, I, but I first listened to him. He's a, uh, I go back to a lot of military guys for some reason. I don't, yeah, I've he, never been in the military, but it seems to come up. Uh, he was an admiral actually in charge of the U.S. Special Forces. Well, yeah, these are, you seem to like leadership as well. Yeah, it leadership like, is a yeah. big thing. Um, but he wrote a book, and, and actually it was another commencement speech for the uh, Texas Longhorns. Okay. And it's called, If You Want to Change the World, Make Your Bed. Oh, I've, I, I've, he- I've heard, heard that, that speech. I've yeah. heard that one many times. Make your bed in the morning, and then you know you've accomplished something yeah. already. Is that the one? Yeah, that- and if you have the uh, the worst day of your life, you get to come home to a yes. freshly made yes. bed. Yeah, yeah no, I, I've listened to that one a few yeah. times. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. He actually has a little book. It, it's, it's not even half the size of this Extreme Ownership one, so he's got a couple other stories in there. But talking about sliding down head first on the, uh, the rope. Okay. Like they got that, I don't know, whatever. Uh, the repelling. There's a name for well, that. Well, there's an obstacle course I have to do, and there's that, you know, the rope that, 
like it's not straight down, but it kind of goes out. Okay. And he got challenged because he couldn't beat his time. So instead of going hand over hand, he wrapped the leg around it, got on top of it, and actually just slid down. He said, it's the most dangerous way to do it, but he beat his time. <laughs> uh, and then they talk about in the, uh, they have to do a night swim off the coast of California. Oh, boy, yeah. And they, uh, the instructors like to joke about telling them how many, all the different types of sharks there are in the water. <laughs> And, say for, and then they tell them that to our recollection, though, no one has ever been eaten or bitten by a shark. Yeah. But if one does come up to you, just punch it in the nose. Right. So one of his models is to succeed in life, sometimes you have to punch a shark. <laughs> <laughs> what about you for YouTube videos? Yeah, so I do when – it, when it comes to uh, side hustles or business or whatever, you're, I, I do have a go-to guy that, that I'm subscribed to. And to me, he's like this little hidden gem. I can't believe – how few uh, subscriptions he's ha- he has. And he's called, he calls himself, the Lawn Care Millionaire. And he is uh, an individual who runs a lawn care and property maintenance business in, I believe it's Texas. What I like about him is he talks about how anyone can basically do this because you have to start somewhere. And yeah. usually you start by cutting someone else's grass. That's if you're going to be a lawn care guy. Uh, and then you take on all these properties. And then eventually it's too many properties for you to handle. So you're going to need to hire your first employee to work with you. And then you're going to hire another employee. And then you're going to split into teams. And then you're going to have uh, so much business coming in that you're going to need someone to work in an office. Yeah. Right? And he talks about how you bring this up. So now you have someone who's working in the office. And now maybe you want to get out of the office and you want to work in sales and marketing. So now you're working in sales and marketing, but your business is getting so big that you need someone who's going to do sales and marketing for you so that you can basically look at the longer term thing. And then, you know, you bring in a certain revenue. Some of his most real uh, videos come to like, all right, now your business, you've got like 10 to 15 people and you pay a payroll, right? And that payroll can eat you up. Oh, yeah. uh, it's like, it's this most stressful stage where you're making yeah, maybe a million dollars a year, $2 million a year, but you've got all of these uh, liabilities and stuff like that. And he just talks about it every day. Now, he has also split. So he's, he's a co-owner in this company at this point. And he developed software to help small businesses that are just about to go to become a big business to help them manage everything, manage all their clients, their mailers, all all the stuff that comes in there. I listen to it only because if I ever end up doing a side hustle that takes off, you wonder how you get to the next step. We go back to the last episode we talked about my stepfather. My stepfather works for himself, mostly. He hires casual labor when there is an auction sale. But it's him all the time. And it's and, and when the pig, we talk about pig, passive yeah. income generator. My stepfather is, as an auctioneer, is not close to that at all. But this guy is. You can see what he, he's working on his pig, essentially, to have the software that just kind of people buy and download and, and do their thing, and it just makes him money while he sleeps. Also, he stepped away from the business. He's, he's an owner, but he's not a man. He's not managing yeah, it, right? not actively there. Yeah, so I kind of like to know what those next steps are. Quotes. Let's talk about quotes. Do you have a famous, do you have a quote that you, uh, that inspires you? I do. I, I don't know if I, I know I mentioned it. I don't know if I said it on the last podcast podcast episode but um it's from richard branson someone offers you an amazing opportunity and you don't know how to do it 
just say yes and figure it out after. Yes. You, we did talk about yeah. that. That is that is so that one true. sticks. And, and I mean, you got to be a little careful with quotes and stuff because I think I've known a lot of people that get really excited. Sure, watch those. You hear those quotes. They you know, they post those quotes in the on the nice background on Instagram. I know. And and they listen to some, a lot of the same YouTube stuff I listen to, but then they just don't do anything. That's right. With it. it sounds good. Yeah. Right. Oh, that sounds right. But there's a deeper meaning, and you got to do something with that yeah if you don't get off your ass and actually go to work all the quotes in the world all the motivational self-help books they're not going to do anything I, for you i totally agree yeah yeah my quote comes from that neuro-linguistic programming thing <laughs> which i think is been goes all the way back to earl nightingale probably in the 40s and 50s he used to sell um records you could get self-help oh, yeah. records and, and this quote i think you, you've probably heard it before i i know it's true because i implemented it uh, we become what we think about most of the time. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Throughout all history, the great wise men and teachers, philosophers and prophets have disagreed with one another on many different things. It's only on this one point that they're in complete and unanimous agreement. Yes. Have you heard that before? Yeah. It's so true. It's a risky quote because it can be positive or negative. Yeah. yeah. I remember someone told me once, if anyone talked to you the way you talk about yourself in your head, you'd punch them out. <laughs> Isn't right? that true? Yeah. It is. It's hard to force yourself to think positive, especially, I'll be honest, in our world where everybody talks negative, especially like, especially younger kids in our, like the great class we're in. Oh, my, my assignment sucks. Oh, this is so stressful. Oh, I have anxiety. Like, Change the way you th- change the way you say those things. Absolutely, like they say when we do the journalism thing. I get to write this. I, I it's that's it, really true. Ch- it makes a huge difference. By by, the, I mean, there's a, we have some life experience yeah. here. I am every day I wake up and come to this college. I am <laughs> I'm grateful. I cannot tell you how grateful I am. Yeah, I do the work. Yeah, some of the work does is like oh, but at the same time, I know I'm going to get feedback. It is an opportunity. Yeah, and I and we can see it as a stepping stone for what we want instead right. of just. I think some of the younger kids maybe this is all they can see at this point is just getting through this, where we can see. That's right. The bigger picture. That's right. It, it, it'll still help. Each age helped us out on that one. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have a look at some of the top side hustles as per an internet website yeah. that Matt has selected here. Stay tuned. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Right, we're back, and we are going to start with the top eight side hustles for 2019. This is according to small business website, thebalancemb.com. Okay. So number eight is flipping. So what they mean by that, I'm assuming they don't mean houses because I don't see anything in there, although that is a, a good, uh, that's a risky. Per- but it's a big it's, undertaking, too, if you're going to flip I've made, a house. I've done a few. I've made money on one. I lost my shirt on another one. I think I went 30000 in debt on one house. Okay. But uh, I think in this this one they're talking more about buying and selling on Amazon and eBay, which you I know you have. I've done with it. That. I've done it. I'm okay at it. My stepfather is amazing at it. It takes a certain 
personality for this. Either you need to know your product very well and know when someone is undervaluing it, or you just need to be a good salesperson yeah. and convince someone that they need that. I remember I had a buddy picked up uh, some kind of statue at uh, a garage sale, or his wife did, I think, and they got home and she's like, hey, can you look this up? It looks like it's it's too nice to be at $20 she spent on it, whatever it was. I think it's worth about $400 yeah. when they actually looked it up. Those are those are nice wins, but you can't count on them oh, all no. the time. Oh no! I know there's some young some young lads who who just deal in buying, selling old old cellular phones. So long as you know the technology and you know you know what's good and what's not. Um, I also know that a lot of people buy phones and ship them back overseas to the Middle East or wherever. I've sold cell phones, and that seems to be where they go. I heard yeah, a lot to India. Yeah, so someone was telling me that if you steal someone's phone here, they can lock it out completely, but you can send it to India because they don't run okay. on the same thing. So, <laughs> what well, yeah, phone is probably st- in India right now. I wasn't still, selling <laughs> stolen phone. Uh, number seven is virtual assistant. Uh, so we're here. They're talking about doing um, helping companies that are a little bit too busy to to take care of their own, probably like a, an entrepreneur, single owner, uh, but helping them with their social media, graphics, podcasts, that kind of stuff. For them, which I I can see that. Yeah, and this class I think is. Gonna help us with, absolutely. With that, I sure. can see that. And my wife, uh, who works for uh, you know in, in accounting for another business, she says a lot of her work could be done from home. Yeah. As opposed to being done at the office. Well, especially now with social media. I mean, that's just you don't need to be anywhere, deal. anytime. Pull yeah. your phone out. And you can you can post about it, right? I can see that. Yeah. Uh, number six, baking or cooking. So, baking, cooking, making your cookies and cakes. I have a couple of friends that do uh, cakes on the side. Yes. At home. I, I would have to agree with that also. As someone who does, I cannot, I can make uh, ice cubes and grilled cheese sandwiches. That's, <laughs> so I do, uh, would be willing to, when my wife is gone, we starve at home, and the boys. I, <laughs> I, I, starve, I do, you have craft dinner. That's I do, uh, craft dinner, with, my, my specialty is craft dinner with hot dogs. <laughs> That's my wife talks about all the time. That's what her dad used to make them. She loves it. Uh, I, will, I, would, I would pay for that as well. That's a skill set that you have. Oh, it is, yeah. and and then you get like there are some fancy cakes out there, even just like home cooks. Absolutely, that fondant and I mean, not taste good. I'm not a big fan of fondant, but yeah, it all looks good. Sure does. Uh, number five is Task Rabbit. So going out and again helping people with their helping uh, businesses with their tasks, um, cleaning, decorating, delivery, running their errands, event planning, staffing, personal assistance, furniture assembly. Okay. Just put a sign outside of IKEA for that one. <laughs> so TaskRabbit, I assume, is like software. It's it's like a program that like links people up, uh, people who are willing to provide a service to people to people who who need a service. Yeah, they compare it to the Lyft and Uber of helping people with their various tasks. I feel like uh, I feel like the TaskRabbit makers are the real, real winners of that. That is actually a, a good idea too. Well, there was a few times I wish I could have paid someone to do my IKEA stuff for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, babysitting and companion care. And it says here, not just for, for kids, adults are able to charge a premium because they have the experience. For babysitting. For babysitting, yeah. Again, these are side hustles. These, like, a side hustle means, like, why is anyone ever going to do a side hustle? Well, they need to make ends meet or they need, or they want something. They yeah. need something and they need money for it or they want something. Yeah, there's always and, more money at the, or there's more month than there is money. Yeah. So this is something you can't say that you can't make a little extra money on the side yeah. because we all, if you're a responsible adult, we all have something that we can offer. 
Okay, okay. Uh, number three, online services. So Fiverr, which you said you had some experience yeah, with. Yeah, so Fiverr, I remember it coming out, or I remember, I remember using it all the way back in like 2011, 2012. And the idea behind this was you would base a service and it would be $5. And so the way it worked would be like, I, I, the way I started using it was I had an idea for business and I wanted a logo. So I go to Fiverr. And I would say, hi, I'm, I'm looking for a logo. Or you could go into their, into their categories. And I went into logos, and you would, you would basically say, please make me a logo. And for $5, and you'd, you'd get it in maybe a day or two. And the way Fiverr actually worked was $4 went to the maker. That's $1 went to Fiverr. What it says, that's a um, pretty But good they've deal. really expanded their business now. So $5, and you can get a basic service. But then if, if you really like who you're working with, you can pay $20, $40, $60, $100 for professional service. So I was selling um, a self-fulfilling prophecies on Fiverr. <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecies. Is it like your magic? It was it fell under the magic. Yeah, that's right. When 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 the magic category went down, uh, I moved to Fiverr for a little bit. It was under other, and uh, I sold a few on Fiverr <laughs> as well. But I, at at four dollars, it wasn't worth worth my, my yeah. time and effort. Uh, number two is uh, Uber and Lyft driver. Now I want to pay. We don't have them, but we do have Tap Car and yeah. My son uses else. my my son uses something like that. Yeah. I think the one that you just said. Uh, you've got a vehicle. I imagine you need to have a form of insurance to make that proper. Well, I think that's part of the reason why Uber's not here is because there is some Manitoba public insurance is fighting that you need some kind of special sure. insurance for driving. Sure, which, yeah, I mean, commercial, does kind of make sense. Use yeah. in a way. Yeah. And then you got to take care of more wear and tear in your vehicle. But I think that you can make good money by driving them. Absolutely. And you set your hours. It's like yeah. um, skip the dishes, I understand, where you can just say, I'm available to do deliveries from this time to this time. Yeah. I think cool. uh, one of my wife's friends was saying she, she works at the hospital, worked a night shift, and she didn't want to walk home. She called a, a lift. Turns out the guy, the, or a tap car, whoever it was, turns out the guy that was driving was a doctor or a resident that's worked <laughs> at He got off the same shift she did. He just turned on his phone. So she didn't, didn't even get into a warm car. Still a freezing cold car because oh he worked on night too. Uh, and the number one is online tutoring. Online tutoring. Yeah, so yeah. if you have any academic chops to help students with any array of subjects such as math or writing, uh, foreign languages, or other classes where students from kindergarten through college may struggle. You ever Have you ever tutored anybody? Just in life. Just in life. I, <laughs> I, I, did, I did it as a high school student. Yeah, I was never – I'm not – I'm good at school. Never – Never tutor though. It's there when someone needs their grades to be brought up, or or they feel like their livelihood or their or their children's livelihood depends on this. They will throw money at you. Oh my my one niece uh, was going to Sylvan Learning Center all summer, and it was like two hundred bucks a time or hundred dollars a pop for an hour. Because you feel like you're investing in in your yeah. child. Well, now we've talked about a lot of positive stuff, but we always like to keep it real. This part now is where we talk about maybe some of the. Uh, some of the negative sides of being an entrepreneur or starting a side hustle. And uh, I think it's best that we start off with uh, failures. It, and they're not all that bad. If, if failure is just, okay, now I know I'm not going to do that again. But, yeah. uh, can you think of a failure, Matt, that, uh, that kind of shaped the way you approach business? Uh, you know, I've, I've missed out on a couple of big, uh, bigger investments. That um, Actually, I missed out on one. I'm still going to get it eventually. I keep telling myself. But it's uh, about almost $6 million investment that would have paid me $120,000 the day it moved. Okay. Um, and 
Not that I did. Not that I did a bad job. I just didn't do a good enough job to get to uh, earn the business yet. Oh, I yet. see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? So it uh, would have been a, that could have been a life changing sale. Will be a life changing sale okay. once I get it. All right. But uh, definitely still stings every once in a while when I think about it. Okay. That I didn't get. I wasn't good enough to get it yet. Huh. And then all of a sudden, like I said, the one house. Losing thirty thousand dollars on a house. Wow, well, that uh, that that one stung a bit. I, you know, I've, I'm going to tell you this. I've moved around a lot, uh, not by choice, but through the military. And I was a homeowner when I did that. And and there's military housing normally available. And so if you live in the private private market, uh, the military always said, well, that's a, that's a personal choice. Um, my first home I bought. For $154,000, we didn't really like the neighborhood. I stayed there just over a year, and we sold it for $179,000. So it was like we made $25,000 yeah. really quickly. But when you think about commissions and sale commissions and all that, um, we didn't really make enough. We not made enough money to buy furniture for the new place because <laughs> it was a bigger house. Yeah. And then when I left that place, we made a little bit of money, but we had put money into the house and all that. When I was in North Bay, this was a mining town that as we arrived, um, the housing market had taken off. But while we were there for five years, a lot of uh, businesses closed. Uh, the regional health care center uh, shrunk in size, and we had a hard time getting out of the market. We did, and we lost a little bit of money on that. So, I mean, there was a time when a home could be seen as an investment, but the way I've heard it explained to me is a home is not an investment and it's not an asset until you sell it. It's a liability until oh, you sell it. It is. Everyone's, when I sit down with people, I ask them, like, what's your biggest, your best asset? And they say it's their home. I got to prove them, prove them it's wrong. Yeah. yeah my, I love my house. I spent 205000 on it. I've put more than 50000 into it since then. It's just cost me money. Yeah, it's, so I tell people like the most important asset you have is your ability to make money. That's right. Your income is your most important. Right. If you lose until, your income, you don't have your house. I tell you, I tell you, sell your house. I tell yeah. you, sell your house. It's 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 costing you. Yeah, and like yeah. that one house I tried to sell was right during '07 uh, when the housing market crashed. Okay. I couldn't sell it. Yeah. And it was my ex and I, and I'm just like, you know what? I gotta get out of here. It's not working. So I just pretty much signed over the house to her and walked away with <laughs> with, with a crap load of debt. It was worth it though. Some things are worth it. Wow. <laughs> I did have a failure. I'm going to talk about a failure here, um, a business failure. And uh, it was very low risk. We're not talking houses here. <laughs> um, before I started selling magic spells, I bought a pre-designed website. I bought the website. It was already made. It had a feed in it, so there was always new content being uh, posted to it. It was a WordPress website. You really didn't have to do anything. What you did have to do was pay to host it. And then I signed up. It's the first exposure I had to Google AdSense okay. where, where you get paid by, by Google. So in, in a way, it turned. But the site did nothing for me uh, because <laughs> what could I expect? I didn't do anything either. Yeah. One thing it did do is expose me to WordPress. Uh, I learned how to, how to work that. And I got Google AdSense, which I did apply to my YouTube channel. And I did make money on that. But the, but the actual magic website that I bought, <laughs> brutal, brutal failure. Yeah. And and missed opportunities. I know you just covered your. Did you you were talking about a missed opportunity there? Uh, yeah. Well, I actually had a couple. One was oh, okay. um, I mentioned last time was that landscape snow removal company. Yes. I I, I kicked myself for that one. 
Uh, the other one was my dad retired from transit. He looked at taking out uh, the, the buyout, like the just pulling his whole lump sum out and buying uh, Tim Hortons. Right. Enjoy the taste and flavor of a Tim Horton donut, the aroma of our coffee and the smile we save for you. When you get the urge for freshly brewed coffee, freshly made donuts, head for your favorite donut shop, Tim Horton. Oh, well, wow, Tim's, yeah. Well, when we looked into it, I think he was going to pull out around 300000 To buy Tim Horton's was 400000 Okay. To buy into the franchise. And I think that didn't, I believe that didn't even include the building. Oh, boy. So my dad, and my dad's like, I don't want to work it. I'll, I'll back it. You take care of it. Yeah. But. It's a lot of work. I have, I know, I know a lady who owns three now. Yeah. And her life is Tim Hortons. And she does deal with staffing problems. And sometimes they do forced renovations. And oh, up, yeah. Um, That's the one bad thing about a franchise is you don't have a choice. You don't have you a choice. you fix it, it's going to cost you a million bucks. You got But boy, oh, boy, Tim Hortons, just, it's a known brand. Like, people oh, flock yeah, they, to I'm, it. They make money. I'm, no matter what, I'm sure they're still making money. I don't think I've ever seen a Tim Hortons close. I would invest in something like that, but I wouldn't want to be involved in running it. I feel like the creativity is blown clean out of it. I'm not a creative in that sense. That's true. Yeah, there, you Follow the book on that one. Yeah. 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 For sure. You got any failures? Uh, failures. Or sorry, uh, missed opportunities? Missed opportunities. Yeah. I Just one that goes back to when I was a kid. Uh, uh, I was always at the auction sale. My stepfather was selling a box of comics. He was kind of elbowing me. So maybe you want to buy this box of comics. I was allowed to bid on stuff. He would just say, you know, he'd announce to the crowd, you know, Jason doesn't own this product. We don't own this product. So he's bidding just like, it was a box of comics. They were old comics. Um, not like uh, superheroes. They were like cowboy comics and stuff like that. Okay. It got to a certain price. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Maybe $85, $90. And I backed out. I had the money. I just felt like that was a lot of money. And so I backed out on that. There had to be 100, 150 comic books in there. I mean, if you sold each one for a dollar, you would have made your money back and more. So this guy buys them. And at the same time, we were doing card shows and comic shows like on, on Saturdays. So this guy buys it. He's one of the vendors on our uh, card shows. He sets up shop and he pulls out one. He goes through. At that time, they had a, like a book that would tell you the value. Yeah. Of what, just like, like the Beckett books. The the, cards. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he had, there was one buried in there that was worth $100. It was, <laughs> and then everything else he had there was gravy. And it's yeah. like, oh man, I should have, I should have done it. I should have. Um, that could have easily gone the other way though. It could have gone the other yeah. way. Sometimes you don't have a lot of time to make that decision. That's the thing. At an auction sale, that's like, um, that's an extreme. You've yeah. got to make a decision within minutes or seconds sometimes. But sometimes a business opportunity comes and either you're ready to make that decision or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And if and if you're not ready, chances are you're going to pass it by. Um, oh, for, for pitfalls and scams. Yeah, pitfalls is, and scams. Okay. When it comes to, I think, this kind of side hustle, I think this is huge. No matter if you're working for your, so your own business you just started or you're getting involved in one of the other startup companies, Lyft, Uber, you know, it works, all those kind of, those things. I think the biggest thing is people get so excited off the start. So excited. They're going to, they're going to take on the world. Yeah. Then they get punched in the mouth the first time when someone says no, and almost none of them come back. I know. I, that, that's, you know what, we were, I was going to talk about something different, but that one is true. Uh, giving up too soon. Yeah. Uh, not, not anticipating uh, an unhappy customer or client. Um, that happens. Oh, yeah. It, it took me three years to get my mother-in-law to invest with me. But you did it. Eventually, yeah. yeah. I had to prove that I was serious, that what I was doing yeah. was serious, and then I was 
learning and I actually I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. But yeah. it took, takes takes a lot of notes. Well, like, what happens there? Like, like there is a lot of energy when people want to start up. But what is energizing them though? It's, it's the it's, I, it's it, the dream that these that people can sell you. And that's I think there and that's fine and you should have that. But it's too far off. You got to make little waypoints along the yeah. way and say I just want to get to this point first. Yeah. And then this one, this one, and eventually I'll get to where I'm going. Uh, when I when people look at starting with me, I'm very honest. With it. I I truly believe you can go make a six figure income doing this. Financial services. If yep. you want to do it, you can go do it. Yeah. And I, I, I challenge you to go do better than me, because I want you to. But this is what's going to happen. You're going to sit down with the first few people, and you're going to get a bunch of no's. <laughs> a lot of your, fa- a lot of your family's not going to return your yep. phone call again for a little while. If you can handle all that, if you can get through all that, now you've earned the right to go make money. Have you ever been scammed or, or thought you were getting into business? It's a scam. You know, I've never actually gone into those businesses. I sat down. I've had people talk to me about. Like I said, this one kid at Chapters looking at the self-help book. So I started talking to him. Uh, he's, you can tell he's trying to start recruiting me for <laughs> for something. And so I asked him, like what, like, what company is this? And he didn't want to say it. And finally came out with some kind of version of Amway. Yeah. Which, nothing wrong with Amway. No. You can make money at That's it. That's all that is. But yeah. uh, he wouldn't really tell me what he did. And so I exchanged numbers with him anyways. He gave me a call later on. I'm like, so like, what, what do you do? And he's like, well, you know, we we don't tell people up front. We got, we we tell them in stages. And I just went, you've already lost. Me. That's isn't that like, if you can't tell me in five minutes what you do. I don't think he could articulate it. No, and then he he kept talking. He wouldn't take an open answer. So I finally just asked him. He says his manager wanted to meet me. And I said, well, how much money does your manager make? Oh, I don't know. What's your manager's beliefs? What does he like? What does he do outside of here? Like, what what's his core philosophy? Oh, I don't know. I, I know he does well though. Uh, yeah, right. And I just said, well, this is the guy that I take my coaching from, and I, I think it's important that everyone has a coach. Yeah, you know, my, you know, find someone that's where you want to be, and get them to show you how to get there. Sure. So as my, you know, my coach is five million dollar net worth, likes helping people. He does this and that. Like this is the guy that I follow. So unless your guy can do that, and and will show me on paper, pull out his bank statements and show me that, prove to me the volunteering he does and all that stuff. I'm just not interested. The kid was hooked on a dream. Yeah, I never heard from the kid again. There you go. <laughs> I even tried calling him once, like a couple months later, just to follow up, see how he was doing. Wouldn't even answer my phone call again. Oh, I do have a scam. I want to tell you about a scam yeah. that I've been exposed to. And I think it, the reason why it almost worked on me was because it's like anything else. I, I really wanted it to be true. <laughs> I was selling a motorcycle on eBay. Because I had already purchased another motorcycle, yeah. so I'm I'm basically I'm trying to get some money back here. Basically, the scam came in as we're very interested in buying your motorcycle. It's going to be used on a movie set, which was realistic because this was an older motorcycle from the 70s and it had that kind of style. So I I almost believed that. Well, I didn't believe it initially. All you had to do was you know we'll send you a check. Please help with the shipping. Like it has to go on a crate and it goes it's going out to BC. I'm telling you, at that time, I was okay with that. I was like, oh, this is I had really... The same thing this, with my bike. This is really it. cool. And then in another email, it was like, okay, if there's anything left from shipping, I'm just going to need you to, you know, uh, send it back to us. You can send it by Western Union. I think at that point, a bell kind of went, went off. But they're like, look, you're going to cash a check. You're going to have the money in hell. So don't worry about it. That idea of having the check and having the money in my possession, that kind of made me feel good. What I didn't realize was banks are obligated to cash international checks, but they can still do an NSF recall on that, and you're out all the money, and you've yeah. already sent back 
money. So I almost got, uh, I ended up pulling the bike off of eBay. I won't sell anything high value on eBay like that anymore, especially something that you wouldn't be able to. I don't know what I was thinking. How am I ever going to ship it? I think I was hoping someone would buy it locally. Yeah. The whole lesson behind that is, well, it's what I really wanted. And so you you start to let things slip because you want it so badly. But at least you looked into it. I did look into it. Yeah. Uh, and I no, I didn't get caught. And I didn't cash a check. I didn't even receive the check. So, yeah. So I had the same thing when I sold my, tried to sell my bike. They uh, sent me a check for like $1,000 more than we agreed on. Uh-huh. So I emailed the guy. He goes, oh, yeah, my assistant made a mistake. Uh, you, you don't cash it. You need to send me the difference back. Yeah. And it was a, it, I had the check. It was a Scotia Bank bank draft. It looked yeah. legit. My ex at the time worked for uh, BMO. She's yeah. like, it looks right. Yeah. So I took it to my bank. I was with Scotia Bank, and I went up to the girl, and I told her the story. I'm like, I don't think this is real, but could you look into it? And about 10 minutes later, the branch manager comes out and goes, you didn't give him your bike, did you? I'm like, no. He goes, yeah, this is fake. Any unrealistic dreams. Now, when you told me your vision in the last episode, you're very clear. So I feel like I'm more of a dreamer than you are. Do you do you have any unrealistic dreams? Or maybe then in this case, do you know anyone who dreams unrealistically? I don't, I don't, I don't know if there is an unrealistic dream. Like, I think if you dream it, you you... You can do it if you if you willing to sacrifice and do the things you need to do to get there. Okay, I think the most unrealistic thing I see is when people will go, "Oh, I want to retire by the time I'm 50." Okay, and you're 35 and you haven't put anything away yet. Okay, and you want to retire with, you know, two thousand dollars a month, three thousand three thousand dollars a month coming in. Okay, you can't unless you're willing to drastically change your lifestyle. You know, that's kind of the unrealistic. And people, I think that's lack of education. That okay. people just aren't taught actually how to, what investment is and how to retire. Or, or maybe they don't recognize. Would you say that there's some sacrifice involved in, in saving money like that? They don't realize what they might need to give up or how much harder they might need to work to, to get to that stage? Definitely, yeah. I mean, the side hustle opportunity is there for everybody. It is. Right? And that you go make an extra couple hundred dollars a month and you just invest that? Yes, you're going to be good. Absolutely. Right? If you save 10% of everything you make, you can retire comfortably. Yes. But if you don't start retire saving till you're 40, now you're going to start saving about 50% it, it, of what you make, and it's just and we not all know happen. it. We've been told that. I've been told to save 10% since I was, uh, since I think I was 19 years old, maybe yeah. even younger. They told us that in the military, save. They told us all along. But then life gets in the way. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. happens. I totally understand. I've, I've had money and then I lost it, you know, to having to fix the house or do yeah. whatever. So uh, just, again, people have these expectations of these great retirements. And you see it on TV all the time, retire on the beach. Yeah. All those, you know, Freedom 55 and all that stuff. Uh, my unrealistic dream. I have this thing. I like to watch uh, YouTube videos about boats, sport, sport yachts specifically. Yeah. I'm Chris Allis with Denison Yachting in Windmill Harbor Marina in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Today I'm going to be taking you on a walkthrough of Jackalope, a 66 Veacham Sport Cruiser. And what I think, they, they, they sell it so good. It's like, oh, you're going to go out with your, uh, with your beautiful wife and children, maybe. You're going to go out. It looks like they're in like Miami or some coastal city. Yeah. And then they go out for, for the weekend and they, they kind of like camp in this cove, but it's like, it's luxury and living. Boats are expensive. Oh, yeah. These these <laughs> boats are probably $1 or $2 million yeah. in between there. 
Why I say that's uh, risky is because you don't realize who these people would necessarily be. Who are they selling to? Well, they're probably selling to investors, they're selling to professionals, surgeons, doctors, uh, people who are bringing in a lot of money. Yeah. The, the video is out there for everyone to see, but the boat isn't for everyone. Not necessarily. That is fine. If I, if I wanted that, that is fine. But I'm really going to have to change my, my lifestyle. Oh, yeah. uh, I am really going to have to increase my personal value if I want something like that. Otherwise, it's just something, there's nothing like setting something up like, oh, I want that, and then never achieving it. That's just one of those things that dashes your your hopes and dreams and makes you a little bit bitter. I, I feel like maybe I should be just looking at a regular boat, you know. Well, that could be your starting point. It's good It's good to have that big, I think it's good to have the big dream have that scares there. you. That's but right. set, set realistic set goals to, to get to, to get that, there. to get to that big dream, yeah. To get there. All right, the last thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about noteworthy successes or failures. Um, I want to go first on this one, Matt. Is that okay? You bet. All right, so on Friday, my son had a fight at the Centro Caboto Center on Wilkes. He didn't, he didn't do very well on that fight. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> um, uh, he's, his ego took a pretty good bruising on that one. <laughs> that being said... Uh, I was I was really enjoyed the night. So here we have a boxing club. It was Canadian Fighting Center. That's actually that's the one I fight out of. Yes, and they did a, a promotion called Friday Night Fights. So they rented a space. They set up a ring that they already owned. Um, they're in a licensed establishment. Um, there was alcohol and food for sale. Uh, they had front row seats for fifty dollars a seat. They had seats in advance for $25 a seat, uh, and then at the door, it was $35 a seat. It was pretty much full. I would say there had to be about 200 to 250 people there. Nice. And I just see it as I, I love that um, thought of doing a promotion or an event and giving someone an experience. I don't know how much money they made. I don't know. If by the time they paid security and by the time they paid the servers and by the time they paid the rental, if they made or lost money, I that part I don't know. But what I do know is this. My son came out and he said, Dad, did you notice that there, there was a big delay in between the fights? I said, yeah, I did kind of notice that. I figured it would go a little bit quicker. He goes, yeah, they're trying to stretch it out so that people will get up and buy more alcohol. So they, although they had, <laughs> they had committed to this and all the people showed up, they were still playing a little bit with what yeah. was going on during the event to try to get – my stepfather always had a saying. He didn't care if 40 people or 400 people showed up to his auction sale. His goal was to get all the money out of their pockets by the time, by the time yeah. they left. I like to see stuff like that. It's very inspiring. Someone was out there. They were they were they were going beyond what they normally do. They're yeah. not. A, they don't normally do that. They're they're a boxing center or um, a mixed martial arts center. They're a training center. Yeah. But then they go out and do this. I like to see that. And they actually have an interesting story too, because they're uh, they're in my area, and they're put out. They put up a new building. I think it was about five years ago. And I think he's been working on this for about eight years, trying to get this building going. Okay. So they were, it was framed. They had it pretty much framed, and they're putting the roof on it. it. Caught on fire. Oh, really? Yeah. And <laughs> the top half had to come off. Oh, my god. Rebuild it again. So the first day I was there, it was actually at a one-on-one teaching with uh, the coach, the owner. And 
I asked him about that. He's like, oh, you saw that, eh? Because that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he could add an extra year to his plan, right? And that's a big, you're, that you're floating. Huge. I'm sure you had insurance, but you're still floating a lot of money. like that. Or, or you're also anticipating the income that is, is going to yeah. come. And, and you know it doesn't come necessarily in the first year. Sometimes businesses take a loss in the first yeah. year just to, until they can shake things out. Yeah. Perfect. I think, the, you know, for noteworthy success stories, I know uh, I haven't personally talked to him, but uh, someone through my company is actually younger than me. I think he's uh, probably 32 now. But by 30, he was making a million dollars a year. Wow. Through investing and through... Uh, so that gives you confidence in what you're doing though, right? It does. I, it, I know I know you can do it. It, it, it can be done. People have blazed a trail. Yeah. They've done it. Yeah. And guys even younger than me are doing it. And there's even a video out there. He sat down with, we call them confrontations sometimes, when the other agents will come in. Okay. And you guys sit face-to-face with them. Oh, I, have, I haven't had it happen yet. I had one client that asked if I would do it over his insurance. He was getting hosed on his insurance. He said, yeah, I'll do it. But I said, realistically, why don't we just call the company? Yeah. Because, I mean, you're, I could be lying to you right now. You have no idea. I, I could be lying to you. So if we call your company that you're with, it's recorded. They have to tell you the truth. Okay. So let's just call them. And turned out I was completely. Completely right. And okay. The agent was completely wrong. <laughs> but this, uh, this, this gentleman, his name is uh, Miro Arizon out of uh, California. Poor kid growing up. He, uh, he used to sell teddy bears on the side of the street to try to help his family make money. And now, yeah, he's making, last I think I saw, he's up to about $1.6 million a year now. Wow. Yeah, and he was doing a face-to-face with, uh, I think, someone from Bloom, uh, Bloomberg? One of the big investment firms. I can't remember from in the States. And the guy starts throwing, he had more education than him, and he goes, what is, what, is it, what is it, your license worth? He goes, a hell of a lot more than you. And then got up and left. Because <laughs> he was making, already making more money than this guy that's probably like in his 60s. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see a young guy, especially a young guy from a tough area, do well. I like to see, too. Sometimes you, people are bitter. Uh, uh, there's no sense in, in clawing people down. It's like, I, I like that. I oh, like yeah. to support people like that. And I always want to see someone do well. I don't absolutely. care if I don't even like you. I still want you to do well. That's right. Yeah. That is everything we wanted to talk about today. That was another fast hour. It was a very quick. We're just a little over an hour. <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone to, uh, for listening in. This has been uh, a wonderful episode of Side Hustle Pigs. Um, I'm Jason Moore. And I'm Matt Pickle. And we'll talk to you later. Cheers. Bye.